You're listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. What's up, Fantasia moviegoers? Uh, this is 9to5cc Goes to Fantasia, uh, part of our podcast series that we do almost every year, where we talk about some of the movies that we're seeing at the Fantasia International Film Festival in Montreal. This year, like many other things, the festival is completely online, but that doesn't mean we're not watching a bunch of movies. Uh, we're including the Fantasia series in our main 9to5cc podcast uh, stream that you can find uh, on your most podcasting applications we're also including it on the 90s um podcast uh channel so if you go there you can also find the movies there um that's it for me uh, go out to fantasia and by go out to fantasia i mean stay home on your couch and watch fantasia watch fantasia movies and enjoy the show fantasia is coming to an end or it has come to an end this is today is the last day right yeah, today is the last day, which means when this goes up tomorrow... Yesterday. Yesterday is when it ended. Um, I also thought... Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention this in any of the previous episodes. Uh, did you know that uh, Sean from DFA Tattoos, a.k.a. Wormzilla, did one of the designs this year for the... that you can buy with on the merch? Like, the, the kind of like the stylized version of the main poster with the cat and the pug? Uh, you, like, you can get like his design on sweatshirts. I thought that was yeah. cool. Like I was sweet, like, sweetheart Gripshon. Yeah, sweetheart Gripshon, friend of Go Plug Yourself. He's been on a sweetheart grip and he's been on as with the great Sabatini. So yeah, I was like, cool. He was like, it's super fun. He's like, I saw someone wearing a sweatshirt with the Fantasia, and he's like, this is, he's like, this is one of those awesome things as an artist where you're like, I've been living in the city the whole time. He's like, Fantasia's always been a big deal to me as a horror fan, and now you have like one of your designs sitting on the sweatshirt. I think that's a cool thing. Um, website merchandise. Merchandise. You're buying one? Gonna no, buy I just want to see it. Okay, fine. You're not going to buy one. Big, oh, <laughs> big man God. Scott just going to look at it. The like. Yeah, it's a, you can almost tell right away. Cartoon pug. No. The a lucha orange cat. What? Yeah, well, the lucha pug is part of the regular thing. This is solid podcasting. Oh, just, for just, just without the. We're not recording. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. This is this was the oh. opener. Oh, there's <laughs> listen, only one. Listen, there's only one design for merch. I'm not super confused by it. It's just the the couch with the dog and the popcorn. The girl isn't there. Yeah, that's right. And it's like the the cat's more stylized, less kind of CG ish. That's his. Uh, whatever. Uh, I think as good a time as any to say that if you want more of this crappy banter, we have a whole other show called the Nine to Five Entertainment System every two weeks. <laughs> We just kind of ramble on. Um, I saw, and I think I this was my favorite. We were recording. We had pressed stop. Don't ramble on for you me. He says it. it in red on the screen, yo. <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> obviously in another screen. <laughs> Shopping for merch. Uh, I was quite um, visibly in another screen. I said I was in another screen. My favorite movie of the festival was. So, and get this, pause for effect, a Canadian film, <laughs> shocking, uh, called Come True. Um, Sarah was like, I was like, Sarah's like, where's this film? And I was like, oh, like, uh, I was like, it's a Canadian production. She was like, oh, and I was like, no, but it looks good. <laughs> Sorry, Canadian filmmakers. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> the first of all, if you look up the poster of this, the, the poster immediately grabbed me uh, because it looks a ton like 
uh, reminiscent of Akira. So like before I even knew what it was, if you just look up the poster for Come True, uh, it's uh, Julia Sarah Stone, who plays the main character, Sarah, in the film with kind of like the an eye patch over her eye, but with like the two um, the two bands. So like one band goes like over her eye, one eye goes under her eye. And I was like, it's like Akira. Huh. Uh, the second thing that, yeah, so poster grabbed me. Um, the watching even the clip or the visual style of it was very, very, very like, even if you just watch the trailer, um, kind of similar to Maniac. The uh, Netflix series with Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. You mean the style of it is similar to? to yeah, Maniac? so it's like it's like they're doing like the, the setup is basically a going that this girl goes into a sleep study, uh, but like all of the tech around the sleep study is very like retro futurism kind of stuff. Like you're like looking at these like old kind of like group like black like dot matrixy screens that are somehow the most advanced tech that we can be looking at people's dreams with, <laughs> you know. Um, so just like Maniac. Just like Maniac, exactly. Um, and then on top of that, too, there's also the, uh, you know, I like scores. So the entire time watching this uh, movie, I was like, this sounds a lot like a band that I know, but this doesn't sound like songs that I know from the band. And I was like, maybe they just got like a band that ripped it off. But no, the score and the original music by Electric Youth. <laughs> so <laughs> there's like new Electric Youth songs in there, if you like Electric Youth. Awesome. But it was kind of like, like, so you're like, which, I mean, I do love me um, some, like, electro synth, <laughs> like, big time. So, like, electro synth with, like, the high, like, poppy, like, female vocalist. Like, there's, like, a scene where they're, like, driving in a car all slow and they're playing it. And I was like, this is either, like, clearly some band trying to sound like Electric Youth. But, no, it turned out it was really Electric Youth. So that was nice that they didn't just get, like, a weird knockoff version. They got a real band <laughs> to make their synth, synth score. Um, but yeah, so the, so basically, so the film starts off with this girl, Sarah, uh, like in a sleeping bag, sleeping on a slide in a park, uh, just kind of like staring up at the stars and, um, she doesn't want to sleep at home. She's kind of like talking to her friends if she can crash over at their house or not. Uh, and then she finds out that she's, because she's 18, she can enroll in a sleep study and it's like a two month long sleep study. So she's like, Whoa, bed for two months, sign me up. And then from there, it kind of um, starts to go into, uh, like, I guess, like the reveal, and this is a little bit in the trailer, um, that there's like a collective nightmare experience that all of the dreamers are having. And furthermore, the people who are doing the study have observed it in even other dreamers. So they're sort of like trying to like tap into this like iconic figure that seems to have, um, I guess, like permeated into human psyche throughout time. Huh. That exist only in dreams, and they're sort of trying to get to the bottom of it. Okay. And she is sort of having like the most, the most vivid kind of versions of it. So the the scientists are like super interested in obviously like her experiences, and she's like, as just you know, kind of the unwitting accomplice, being like, "What is going on?" And they're like afraid to even tell her anything because it could compromise the study, right? Because it's supposed to be kind of like a blind science study. And, and whatnot, and then sort of ends up like there's a love situation with one of the scientists and back and forth. Uh, and I will say that the ending of the film is hmm, like, so it's kind of a cliche, but at the same time, 
ties all of the crazy like weird like not like things that kind of like seem like sort of non sequitur or like uh unrelated ties everything in in like a single moment and you're like oh that makes a shit ton of sense and then like the film is over <laughs> so just which is rare you know like it's it's rare that you can sort of like drop a little like one sort of piece that you have all these different pieces so like the and like the way the movie plays out is you see you often see what they're dreaming and it's like the stuff that they're dreaming is very kind of like uh when scott two episodes ago you talked about like high school film i'm making a scary movie <laughs> like, and it's just sort of like it's like you have like the single camera like floating through with like a bunch of like kind of like it, and i'm if i'm saying it, it sounds cheesy it's very well done and it's also it's very unsettling it's very silent hilly but like you'll right. see sort of like these weird like mannequins with their heads sort of like in walls so it's just like their neck protruding from the wall and like dangling and stuff like it's very like unsettling kind of imagery but it's also just sort of like i wrote what was the spookiest <laughs> and then i put a camera and i moved it through like it's a lot of just like there was like a body and like then it like smashed into a tree or whatever like but it's still like they don't linger so long on those shots that you're meant to like it's not the crux of the film you're at, you're just supposed to be like nightmares are spooky and to that end all of those shots are very very spooky and creepy but it's not about that it's just about like often the 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 nightmare sort of moves towards this black figure with the glowing eyes which like i said before becomes this it's supposed to be like this iconic figure in literally in human psyche like the scientists even have notes of it from their like dating back like thousands of years people have had the same thing so they're like is like they're kind of coming to it from uh like they're like what could be so important that it's in like the shared subconscious of humanity Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like why is everyone's nightmares everyone can have nightmares about this guy and like at certain point in the film like they start even having like the same nightmares of the guy and it all comes together in the end and it all comes together in the end (laughs) Or, or at least it all makes sense in the end um I don't know if you if if you're if you're jaded you might like see the end and be like come on I actually liked the ending um it was kind of kind of neat and tied tied in a bunch of like weird especially like with some of the dream stuff that are, there was like there's like a couple of weird like fr- throwaway things that you're like I don't know why they decided to show me that and even some of that kind of ties in uh together um a lot like uh minor premise um this one hangs a lot on the performance of uh julia sarah stone she's uh like very very strong in it and like and it also when i said this doesn't kind of look like a canadian film it doesn't but there is some like canadian capital a acting in it there's like some of the supporting cast is uh it's just sort of like chewing up their lines and like remember how we used to like some of our friends <laughs> made films and then you could tell that they were like stage actors and didn't translate necessarily to film. There's like, there's some of that in the supporting cast. I mean, it happens, happens to a lot of people. I mean, you're making, you're making a, a, a low budget yep, uh, yeah. film. <laughs> like here it's, it's you, you have actors, they do have a talent, they can act. It's yeah. just you, you end up having, and I find it, it like it, it similarly to, I think a lot of the other films, um, <laughs> that happened at Fantasia, you have like your strong lead, but it just makes it almost worse when there is someone that's just kind of like chewing up their dialogue and like acting when you have someone really, really talented and acting opposite of them, you know, like 
eh, it shows. It, it, like, it, 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 it might also work both ways, right? If you have someone really talented, they might it might reflect poorly might on everyone probably. else. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. it could also elevate them. Right. And and I mean, but at the same time, I I, I will say that it it even kind of works uh, because of the way the the cast is constructed. That like every basically everybody else in the film for the most part are like scientists and then she's like a, a high school girl so if they're kind of like if their performances are kind of like stiff and whatever you could be like yeah they're scientists <laughs> you know like it's not like they're they're her peers or anything you know so it's like the fact that they're like you know what i mean it's not as jarring as you're like this is my best friend who's just acting <laughs> right. you know you're like oh this is just the lady asking her questions about her dreams you know like mm. There, it doesn't it doesn't stand out as much as you might have to if you had to believe that these two people were like peers who went to the had the same shared experience or like these are two people from different settings uh there is i will i will give it a, a minor knock for uh a little bit of like nerd male fantasy plays out <laughs> like three quarters of the way in because there's really no there's really no plot reason. It, it, it I guess it kind of makes sense as at the end of the film, but like when you're watching the film, there is like no reason for her to have a romantic interest in the scientist guy. So mm-hmm. just like a nerdy science guy just gets to hook up with um, the 18 year old high school lead. Okay. <laughs> slightly problematic. Cause like, you're like, wait a second. He's at least getting his master's if not his full PhD. Like you're like, there's at least 10 years, maybe 15 years separating these two characters. Yeah. yeah. It's the ending helps make, make sense of that too. <laughs> but uh, while you're watching it, you're like, this is some male fantasy nonsense. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but then there, there, yeah, like I said, I, I, this is my, uh, my pick for the movie that I saw and enjoyed the most this year at Fantasia. So I would highly recommend watching it uh, to both of you. Both of you should watch it, Scott. I think even like it, it's. Did you like Scanner Darkly at all? Like, yes or no? You sort of cut out there for a second. Oh, I said, did you like Scanner Darkly? Keith, you sort of cut it out there. I loved Scanner Darkly. Hmm. So yeah, it it kind of operates in that in a similar space of just like weird kind of like trippiness. So. Cool. But I mean, watch uh, it. That was Linklater, right? Like, I kind of like Linklater yeah. mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Except for Boyhood, I haven't had the guts to sit down and watch that yet. You really so should. Good. You really should, dude. <laughs> I know. There's I know not a lot should. of movies that I'm gonna go and say, they're, and they're like heartwarming tales. There's not a lot of those mm-hmm. I'm gonna say go and watch. But I know I should. I just I've I feel like there's a feeling you need to be in to watch it, and I don't think I've had that. Yeah, you got to be up for a bit of a serious go. Yeah, I, like I'm not avoiding it. I'm just waiting for the time. Yeah. And I haven't felt the time yet. Ar- Archer just walks into the room and then you just start crying. <laughs> Cat Steven starts playing Cats in the Cradle. <laughs> uh, get out of here. I'm trying to watch a movie about holding on to... Uh, oh, no. <laughs> you don't even understand me, Dad. Yeah. Why are you 20? Shit. <laughs> Why are you 20 years old? Oh, man. Um, and then, John, you and I watched... The Block Island Sound, which uh, the new movie by the McManus brothers, The okay. Block Island Sound, is a bit of double entendre there. 
Mm-hmm. It's uh, refers to the sound, which is like a like a fjord. I think you you came up with a good explanation yesterday. So this but, is it's very specific. Hang on, where it is um, wider wider than a wider than a bite, but smaller than a fjord. There you go. So it's <laughs> it's the body of water, but then it also refers to the croaking, rattling noise that the uh, some of the fisher people happen to hear around there. So the story mm-hmm. kind of focuses on the little tiny town where this uh, farmer, Tom Lynch, is kind of losing his mind. You know that guy because he's played by the creepy dude from 12 Candles or, or 12 Cameras. 13 Cameras. Or uh, Slumlord. Slumlord. I think it came out as, under both those names. It's a really recognizable face. So he's the um, he's kind of losing his mind, and it's, it's a bit about him and the relationship between his son. But then his daughter comes back to town. She's an EPA agent investigating the sudden deaths of all these fish and other other animals. Yeah, because what they say, opening scene, right? They're like eight or nine thousand tons, tons of, of dead fish. fish. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of a bit of a mystery. It's a it's a slow burn. You know, it's two two hours or almost two hours of runtime, and I don't think they re- you really know what's going on until fifteen minutes before the end, maybe. 20 or 30 before the end and it's like a mo a slow spooky grind well and so spooky yeah but i will also say that like there's also like you can cut the spookiness out and you still have like a tense family like family drama kind of playing out (laughs) like amidst the spookiness you you deal with like the brother's relationship to the sister the both they're they're very they're completely different relationships with their father. Like, and there's a daughter at play as well, right? A granddaughter, yeah. A granddaughter, yeah. Yeah. So, you want to tell us more, John? Do I want to say more? I mean, it, you know, I don't I don't necessarily want to spoil anything. It, what's, it's kind of good and it's kind of bad that you, they really don't explain what's going on. So it could be a Cthulhu mystery going on. Like, we were tossing around Lovecraftian horrors. And mm-hmm. it ends up going a very different way, which I'm not going to say anything about it's kind of, I'm like happy that they didn't reveal so much, but I also felt going along that I needed more threads to pull upon to, mm-hmm. to be totally captured by the film. Cause I felt like I didn't have a lot to go on. Spooky things were happening. Fish were dying. And eventually you're just like, okay, how many animals are going to die before there's like a clue as to what the fuck is happening? Yeah, exactly. You're like, so yeah. yeah I mean, I guess like, so the, the, the father, I guess, it, taking full advantage of his casting yeah. goes, cra- goes crazy first. <laughs> Yeah. And then essentially then kind of ends up like haunting the son who sort of goes crazy second. And they seem to just be having some sort of an appetite for killing animals. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, led on by some sort of a force. And then, like I said, and then the backdrop amongst some family drama about everybody's relationship to everybody else. And then, as you said, you're just sort of like, you're watching it. You're like, okay, uh, brother yells at sister, sister yells at brother. You were never here. You should move back to the city. This and that. No, nope, there's some weird, dead birds. Weird scene with some dead animals, more family drama. And then it just keeps like flipping back and forth. And you have that, what am I even watching? And why do I care? Kind of like, do I care about the animals? Do I care about their family? <clears throat> do I care about both? I will say that I, I expected it to be like more clever or there to be more threads to be like, Oh, that explains that. And this explains that. And that never really comes together. Yeah. Right. Uh, Yeah. I felt, I felt 
it's possible we were not captured totally by the just the ambiance of the whole thing. We're watching it on a small screen, and it, it's a slow burn. Sometimes, like you need the theater experience to totally be caught up in I, it. You know, that might have might have helped. I also think the performances were not stellar. They were all right. I think for it, this, uh, yeah. they were not bad. I, I, <laughs> like, I don't uh, think. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't criticize the performances for for a low budget. Well, indie but. Flick, but you know? But at the same time, like one that hinges so much, like because it hinges, I think, equally on horror and actual like serious family drama. Sure. I mean, you kind of can take the shot at the acting, okay. you know, like like because of the fact that there are like there are so many scenes of just like a tense, like a tense conversation between a brother and a sister that essentially has nothing to do with the horror elements in the film. I thought you they did I mean? good. Honestly, the brother and the sister were, were fine. But I, but that's what I'm saying. But like, fine. Like that. That was when you're like expecting, like, in order for that stuff to work, I feel you need real top-notch performances. And mm-hmm. like, none of the performances made me care about any of the characters mm-hmm. and their like arguments. Like they were all kind of. I think that maybe. So maybe that's the writing, and also in addition to it, is like they were all kind of shitty. Yeah. In different ways, they were like bad. They were all bad family members to one another. <laughs> Which is of its own self, like it's it's its own choice for a movie to make. But then, as a as a viewer, I'm like, I kind of don't care what happens to either of these people. Yeah, the, it, it, the got me, it got me so excited thinking it was going to be an Innsmouth thing. They were all going to turn out to be angry fish people. <laughs> well, spoilers: they're not angry. Spoilers: they're not angry fish people. But yeah, but that that was it. Is I didn't, I wasn't even like rooting for anyone. Yeah, I, I was pretty happy with where the twist did go. It yeah. was like not not expected, and it was definitely foreshadowed well, and it definitely fit in the themes of the film. Yeah. Afterwards, you know, it does. So it does come together thematically, at least. Yeah, but uh, I think it just takes a little too long to like. We yeah. we said it like a couple times. We're like, this movie needs to drop a bomb. Five minutes. Yeah. 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 And also, and uh, <laughs> part of the movie uh, inadvertently ruined for me because uh, Ryan O'Flanagan is uh in the film <laughs> scott you know they're the uh, the overly uh overly excited tourist guy who's like we're here at the hollywood walk of flame and <laughs> jingle jingle he's, he's so excited he can't talk yeah okay. have, you seen, have you seen those youtube videos no oh so <laughs> I've, i feel it must have just been me and pat like i've watched so many of those and like we just like say like you got to be joking my ass all the time because of those videos. You gotta be freaking joking my ass. He plays a super, super over the top like YouTube bit where every town he's in, he just is so excited about everything. He can't pronounce like any of the names that are around and just sort of like jumbles and all right, all right. But you're not being fair. I'm not being fair. He did a good performance. He's perfectly fine in this movie, but like literally every time he shows up at screen, I'm like here at the like Hollywood gym jam. In my brain. It's so funny. <laughs> it's William. It's, it's, it's like your football one with the ridiculous last names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on that it's on a similar Yeah, it's on a similar level of comedy. It's, yeah, it's in that stuff, zone. Stuff that's coming out of his mouth is just complete in like complete insanity. What was oh like William William Shithouse? How did he get here? It's William Shatner. I think we were a little extra disappointed because the McManus brothers blew us away with um Funeral Kings a few years ago. Yeah, Funeral was, Kings. If you go under the nine to five dot cc slash the list, yeah, ranked way high. Like we're like it's like a modern stand by me with, with kids uh, who steal guns yep. and work in the church. Super good. And like even on the rewatch of it, like I watched it uh, a second time, loved it. 
And then they also did American Vandal, yep. um, which again, like had like a clever self-awareness that I, like, that's what I was saying. I, I expected more cleverness in Block Island Sound, which I don't think it really delivered. So, uh, and, and I don't, I mean, this, I, I feel like I'm taking shots at it. I did like it. It just, I was a little fell short for, for me. Yeah. And yes, a sound is deeper than a bite and wider than a fjord. <laughs> Who names bodies of water? Like, what is this? Old timey fisherman? I mean, you're like, what what's you... that? Oh, that's a bite. What's that? Oh, that's a fjord. What's that? That's a sound. They all look like big bays. It's eight <laughs> bits. Yep. Uh, so that was uh, Fantasia. Fantasia. Did you have a good time? I did. I, um, was I thought there... they, they... Sorry. Go on. Hmm. I thought they, they did with what they could. I think that the, the timed movie things were, were kind of fun and made them feel a little special. Mm-hmm. You're like, I need to still watch it at a certain time. Like, I know a lot of people were like, oh, they should all be on demand. But I'm like, yeah, but then if they're all on demand, you're just like, it's just a Netflix website you also maybe there's people racing to get the first reviews out you know it's kind of shitty to also true some people ahead on that i don't know how much people really care about that but you know well and then the they, world premieres yeah they all but they also did a lot of like uh a lot of like zoom uh zoom q a panels and stuff afterwards mm-hmm. so that kind of had to be timed with the movie right so it's like watch the movie then do the panel which is right. also kind of um mimicking the the fantasia experience i think i only watched one q a panel which was the dark and the wicked uh there was there was a discord channel uh people were going in to talk about the movies as they were watching them Mm -hmm. so there was some like interactivity that they they had planned yeah i think they i guess i really think they did with did with did what they could uh given the circumstances i'm glad that it happened (laughs) <laughs> like, because uh, I mean, I think like <clears throat> Fantasia is always, I think, important to me as like a Montreal nerd, uh, not just because it's a, a super fun genre film festival, but because of the fact that I like uh, I like genre film and I know that it's hard for them to get like releases and to get noticed because there they're, they're isn't the same. There is not the same opportunities for like you're like if you make like an art film, there's like a million festivals you can play it. If you make a movie where a guy's like, dick explodes you have horror festivals you know like that's mm-hmm. there aren't as many like you have like you have an x number of if you make a movie with a 77 minute single cut take fight yeah. fight scene that that's not showing up it can yeah exactly that's it but you're like as soon as you say that you're like oh yeah that's that's screening at fantasia and i mean and i also i find i like that it has it has that renown right like i mean tarantino basically like cherry-picked uh, Fantasia for the international premiere of *Inglorious Bastards*, right? Like that was, mm-hmm. he was like, I'm at, just at at my at his heart and in his soul, he is a genre filmmaker. And he was like, I want to have a movie that internationally premieres here, you know, at this festival because it's not. And I think that's also one of the things that I, I guess, like love about it is like a lot of when we were naming uh, after the Mortuary Collection, the other festivals that had been at. There's a lot of I think like horror festivals. And yeah, Fantasia is a horror festival, but like that's not all of it. There's also all of the Asian cinema. There's also sci-fi stuff. There's, you know what I mean? Like they they pull from different worlds of weird, obscure genre. You know, right. and it's not it's not just like Fright Fest, the spookiest films of the year. You know, like well, there's a lot of Grindhouse and uh, this year. Almost no anime, almost, not a lot of animated stuff. Mm. I didn't mm. see any 
any anime at all. It's a little bit, a little bit weirded out. COVID there. might have slowed down anime production. You think? I feel there's a lot of like, yeah, like you know people can't animate at home. People can't animate know. at home. Probably not. You probably need big computers for that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but you can have big computers at home more than you can have movie sets open with people in them. Sure, but I think that a lot of these films were probably shot pre-COVID and then edited post-COVID. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I think there was, I mean, I, I, it was a shorter, it was absolutely a shorter festival. I think it ran only 12 days, 12 or 13 days, where usually it runs like north of 20. <laughs> you know, like usually it's almost a full three weeks. This was uh, like a week and a half. So it was like almost half as half as big as it normally was, which is understandable. Like, I mean, they, they had a bunch of interviews and stuff with, with guy people who were like, we literally like, wrapped uh like principal shooting in like february and then we were lucky enough to have wrapped principal shooting because then we could edit but you're like there's no reshoots <laughs> you know like no reshoots were coming no none of that and then all of these other productions they were saying like a production that got shut down in march and you're a low budget production you're like the money is now gone and this movie will never get finished yep <laughs> you know you're like now we have to like our grant money's gone and then whatever money we had left we you know fed ourselves <laughs> Like, which seems pretty understandable, but there's there's all these movies that I, like, a, like a bunch of movies that were supposed to be, not, I don't necessarily say a Fantasia, but just like all these indie films are kind of like sitting in this limbo of uncompleteness because they had to stop shooting. And then when it's starting to become safe, you're like, yeah, the money is gone and the you, you usually you rent your equipment. So that's already paid for and over, hmm. you know, like there's a ton of logistics problems. So, I mean... I guess that's a reason to support Fantasia when it's around, and I guess they'll like support the movies that do come out, and hopefully when Fantasia comes back next year, it's in a theater again, and there's a bunch of movies that get made between now and then. And everything's back to normal, and everything is okay. Exactly. But, no, no, I want to talk about that. Does Fantasia come back into theaters exclusively next year? Because we do live in the world of Amazon Prime and Netflix. Okay, okay. But they they did not get to make any money off of um, concessions and merch. I bet sales were way, way, way down. Well, I mean, they they didn't didn't have to rent the theater. But they also didn't have to rent the theater or pay security. Yeah. That's true. They're operating. But at the same time, they had to have that pay whatever the streaming service was. It was like a pretty... Pretty it's slick, like, pretty easy to use little streaming service and server space and all that stuff to have people mm-hmm. streaming it. Is there going to be a Fantasia at home next year, even if the festival does come back and theaters are open? I, I think I think there will be. I think they can throw a lot more movies at the festival or like they did with um, A Hero Never Dies, a lot more classic movies returning, second launch yeah, but you don't want to go see that stuff in a big theater with people. Like, isn't that I part of where you want to see it? <laughs> Do I though? I, I haven't. <laughs> well, you have most, a kid. <laughs> this is the most Fantasia I've seen in a long time. And mm-hmm. I, am I the only yeah. nerd guy who can't get out twenty nights in a row to go see genre movies? I don't. I don't think I'm the only one. Yeah. Mm. So, is there going to be? I'm not saying exclusively, but is there going to be a chunk of Fantasia that's going to be Fantasia at home 2021? I think that, I think there's a lot of things I think that are looking at that. Like they've already talked about like the comic cons and stuff where you're like, yeah, do panels just live stream now? Like just as a, no, th- those were terrible. Those some of them hard. were great. Some of them were really bad. Yeah. Oh yeah. The Eisners were unwatchable. The boys was amazing. 
the new the new mutants one was particularly boring and this that was a subject matter that I was super into hmm. and apparently sucks which we'll talk about on the next nine years <laughs> yeah i heard some pretty rough things oh man uh yeah no i think i think there's a lot of room i think people are kind of changing what the what a festival could mean i think it's cool i think that there's definitely like to john's point more money to be made uh at the theater like if you're just saying if, if you're like even just it's eight dollars to watch a movie uh this year at fantasia as instead of ten dollars um at the theater so that's two dollars less but then also like if sarah and i are going to watch a movie it's going to be eight bucks for the two of us to watch a movie not 20. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know if you're a family of four Again, I, I'm not saying the Fantasia is going to be exclusively from your couch, but I am saying that I don't think it's crazy for them to say these are our 20 movies that we have on demand for our section of Fantasia at home. I would like that. I would think that's cool. And I think there's a way to make exposure for older films mm-hmm. that, have, that are being relaunched or, or even smaller films that maybe won't get 50 100 people in the theater yeah maybe when when you can get 50 or 100 people on demand watching it at some point during the week i will say we didn't we didn't really talk about any of them because of time doesn't afford but one of the things that was really cool about the online purchasing is that when you bought the movie online you had like a time limit to watch the feature but mm-hmm. then if it got bundled with a short you also got the short and the short just like stayed in your library throughout so you could kind of be like, okay, now I'm going to like, now I have these like four or five uh, short films <laughs> that are in my library. I can make a little short film uh, like <laughs> festival for myself. And it's like, yeah, sit there, sit, knock through like four or five of the, of the short movies. And uh, that was kind of fun. Yeah, I like it. I dig it. Do it again, Fantasia, if there's another global pandemic. <laughs> or not. Or not. Or, not. or, or, or I think, yeah, maybe, like I said, consider, considering having some online content there for for our other, for stay-at-home, as the, as the, for other Scots, yep. uh, as for aging genre fans, I think it's totally also worthwhile to you. Hmm. Have fun, everybody. Be good to each other. Wash your hands. Bye. Bye. Oh, hey there, loyal person who sticks around after the podcast to listen to the outro of a podcast. Uh, Thank you for listening. If this podcast is fun for you, if you like to hear us talking about Fantasia movies, obviously share it, tell people about it. We do this just about every year. Uh, And for the rest of the year, uh, I also host a podcast called Go Plug Yourself, where we talk to uh, interesting Montrealers, sometimes uh, interesting Montreal filmmakers uh, from time to time, uh, every two weeks. And that alternates with our other podcast, 9ES, which is the 9 to 5 Entertainment System, where myself and Scott who you just heard on this episode, uh, along with another one of our friends, John, uh, basically talk about geek pop culture, movies, comics, video games uh, every two weeks that alternates with Go Plug Yourself. Uh, so yeah, tell people about this show, tell people about our shows, go listen to some of our podcasts, go listen to podcasts in general, and uh, I guess watch uh, Fantasia movies and continue to support genre cinema. Thank you. 905.cc, podcasts, blogs, and comics. Maine in Montreal since 2011.